do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cube girl. So this show is like a journal of all the media I have consumed. I pour it into the ether so that it does not stagnate in my brain and slowly drive me insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with this show, and there's no reason you shouldn't be, what I do is push a series, no, rather, I push a timer that is a series of five, uh, five minute timers. Um, I will say that uh, normally it follows the structure of uh, movie monologue, television talk, book banter, game, gabin, and internet intercourse. However, uh, every once in a while, in fact, probably more often than not, I'll have too much of one of those things and not enough of another, so I'll sort of jigger things around. Uh, this is a very, uh, let's go ahead and call it a jiggery episode, in which I have two televisions, two games, and a nice little book in the middle. So is it like a, a, a book sandwich on double television and game bread? Yes, yes it is. Without further ado, do I'm gonna push the button now, like this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. It's not a movie monologue, though. It's a television talk, as I have already mentioned, and its sponsor is Women Not Taking Shit Anymore. Yeah. <sighs> television talk in this segment is going to be devoted to The Handmaid's Tale, specifically season one, as apparently uh, they're going to make a season two, which makes sense uh, because they sort of left it hanging on the end um with easily easily they can uh, have plenty of more content i don't know if you can get into three four five seasons of this show uh and i read the book although i'm gonna put an asterisk beside that because it was a book that they made us read in high school uh because i believe margaret atwood is canadian and they always like to get some good canadian content in canadian schools as i am in canada uh, so my memories of it are, are, are not very strong. Uh, it, it did uh, have a desire, it, it built the desire within me to reread the book, because I, I do remember, um, I think it was a, in a time of my life where I wasn't yet the reader I am, and yet I do still recall having enjoyment of reading the book, 
which was unusual for books at the time given by the school for you to read for school type purposes uh, because quite often they gave you really uh, shitty ones that were not ones that I would have picked. Uh, Shabanu is one and Obasan is another. Just as an example of two books I had to read. Shabanu was one and Obasan was another. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm, it's amazing that I love reading as much as I do with the punishment of those two books. Okay, uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Uh, very, very good. Very, very sort of apt of some of the feel of today. And I'm obviously not the first person to make the connections of uh, women's treatment in today's society by people such as, I don't know, the President of the United States, just as an example. Uh, versus this, which was supposed to be like a dystopian version of what would happen if uh, women were sort of put in the back and not treated as human beings. It's sort of, I guess when you boil it down, treated more as objects uh, in the very real sense of objects that have to give birth uh, and that's what they're here for, and that's just about the only reason they exist, which is pretty, pretty bad. Um, I, I, I wonder if when this was written, uh, uh, Margaret Atwood knew, like if it was written today, all we know of sort of in vitro fertilization and, and that sort of growing field and how uh, before people who couldn't have children have ways of having children. I wonder if that would change this. Uh, because if you're unfamiliar, it takes place in a future where uh, men and women seemingly can't have kids most of the time. Uh, the, the, the birth rates are, are so low that society is potentially on the, on the, the, the brink of crumbling. Um, which is interesting because there's always that sort of idea of there's too many people on the globe. Uh, eventually will run out of, not room, I don't think, but room to grow food to feed all the people. Uh, so wouldn't uh, uh, something like this help in the long run? It certainly would help in the long run in terms of uh, for the planet, if we're talking like nature. Less humans means more nature. Uh, so that's sort of an interesting idea. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that necessarily, but the show, which I really very much liked. Uh, watched it with the missus. Uh, I should say this is one of a, a rarer thing where she watched it first and then liked it so much, said, oh, you have to watch this. Uh, and ended, she ended up watching it with me again, even. Uh, so that just shows her enjoyment of this, uh, which she always likes sort of like uh, things like this where it's like really depressing and uh, like she reads very depressing books, loves a depressing TV show or movie, like The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, she's going to start reading, for example, and if you know the movie, uh, I assume the book, similarly, is very, very depressing. Uh, before I forget, rating-wise, and since I think we're doing pretty good on time, uh, I think I could go with Solid 5. Yeah, uh, it's, it's hard to watch in terms of... Uh, like things that happen to the women in this show uh, just make you horrified and the fact that we're seemingly we're not close I don't think to this future obviously but we're not uh, so far away that it's ridiculous 
Well, let's put it that way, which is scary. So I think he's Television Talk, actual Television Talk. Sponsor is Mind Mutters Incorporated, which are brainwash deprogrammers. Oh, fascinating. Okay, uh, we have another show, similar, actually it shares a lot of similarities with The Handmaid's Tale uh, in terms of um, seeing things in the show that are sort of mirroring what's happening in today's society, and that is American Horror Story co uh, colon cult. Uh, so the most recent American Horror Story. I will say right off the bat that this is my least favorite American Horror Story. Really, really did not like this one. Uh, didn't do anything for me. Uh, the missus, who has watched all of these with me before, watched two, three episodes and decided not to go on. Uh, so uh, I went on without her because I am a completionist and once I start a show I don't like to leave it unfinished um, okay so the, the the sort of idea of the show is that uh, Trump comes along and it sort of sets the stage for uh, this this dude to uh, get a cult going uh, using the fear of the time and, and fear of the time and fear in general is sort of a big theme throughout this uh, okay, so one thing I did want to say, is, is it Evan Peters? I just got the uh, wiki open. Yeah, yeah, Evan Peters, who plays the, the cult leader dude, sort of the, the star, I guess you would say, of this season of American Horror Story. Uh, if you don't know anything of American Horror Story, each season is a complete different story where a lot of the same actors will play... Uh, different characters. Uh, the stories may have some loose link with one another. This one of all of them, I think, perhaps has the loosest of links. Um, anyways, uh, as I was saying, uh, Evan Peters is the highlight of this in that uh, everyone I've seen him in, uh, every character he's played in these American Horror Stories has been just really, really flushed out, really good. He does an amazing job. Uh, if, if you don't know him from this, you may know him as Quicksilver from the X-Men movies. Uh, he's just a really, really good actor, and I, I'd like to see him in more things. And, and I said to the missus even that uh, if he didn't have such a, a strong role in this, I probably would have done like her and not gone on. Uh, and watched the whole thing, which I did, <laughs> and it was uh, it was not my great. Like it, it just didn't seem to make sense a lot of the time. Um, people's motivations didn't make sense to me, uh, despite the culty, fear-based stuff happening to them. It, it just didn't make sense, and I didn't get it. Uh, I remember the, the last episode. First of all, it was 11 episodes, which is very, very weird. 10 or 12, I've seen, you know, a million times. Uh, but 11 was strange. And at the end of the 11th episode, uh, I went to put on the 12th. And like, oh, oh, shit, do I not have the 12th episode? Oh, shit, there's not a 12th episode. Oh, shit, that was the end? <laughs> that was the, the, the series of emotions I went through on the final episode. Uh, there's some interesting things in terms of uh, this even Evan Peters, even <laughs> Evan Peters uh, jumping around through time playing different cult leaders. Uh, that was sort of an interesting idea. Uh, I don't really know story-wise what it had to do with anything, but it gave him the opportunity to play 
um, the Waco guy, uh, uh, Manson, he played Manson a lot. Uh, and basically he was throughout this, uh, just a crazy, crazy dude, uh, and, and crazy smart is how they sort of posit it, that he's able to use his insanity with his quote-unquote genius, I think he's referred to at one point, uh, to bend people to his way using the fear of the time, uh, and commit horrible, horrible acts to get him into power, and build up the fear through the horrible acts it's sort of like a cycle horrible act uh use that horrible act to generate fear get power uh do a horrible act to complete the cycle and sort of up 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 um he ends up in jail at the end and i i don't know it was really not very good like i'd go two out of five um but his performance you know really really good two out of five overall oh, Today's book banter is Psychic Bats. Uh, okay, so today we're talking The Lost Library of Coramanthir. C-O-R-M-A-N-T-H-Y-R. Which is a place name I've read a bunch of times over the years. Um, but I don't know if I've ever said it out loud. And I'm fairly confident I've never heard anyone say it out loud, so I'm also confident that I may have said that wrong. This is a, a Forgotten Realms novel? Yes, I goddamn. I'm literally sitting right now beside a map of the Forgotten Realms with little pins in it where I've added custom locations for my D&D sessions. So that's pretty interesting. I wonder where Corman's this is on this. Anyways, uh, it's book one of The Lost Empires, which, uh, oh, it's by Mel Odom, who I have read probably more than I can count of uh, his books over the years. Great, great author uh, in the sort of fantasy realm, Forgotten Realms in particular, perhaps we'll say. Uh, anyways, uh, so, so this series, and we can maybe put that in quotes, uh, because sometimes the Forgotten Realms does things like this, where it's a... I don't know if i call it a series so much as a compilation of four books. Uh, they're all sort of sharing the theme of, like, lost treasures, lost empires, I guess. Um, but they're with, like, different characters and, and different stories. Like, the stories that would stand alone by themselves, but are sort of connected by this theme. Which, uh, there was one, oh, one that I really liked, and I almost want to find and reread. It was, like, Underground, or, like, Dungeons it was, where, where like, each of the books took place in, like, different actual dungeons. That would probably be good fodder for coming up with, uh, uh, D&D dungeon ideas, I bet. Anyways, uh, so, so this first one, uh, let me read the the good read and tell us that if that shines any light, the lost library of Cormanthier, perhaps. Uh, is it just a myth, or does it still stand somewhere in the most ancient corners of Faerun? Faerun, Forgotten Realms, sort of interchangeable names there. Uh, an intrepid human explorer sets out to find the truth. And what starts as an archaeological expedition soon becomes a race against time, and as, as an undying avenger is determined to protect the secrets of the ancient xenophobic, 
Elven Empire of Cormanthir. Lost Empires is a bold new series that uncovers the secrets of lost ancient Forgotten Realms worlds. Pretty, pretty, pretty good, right? Sounds sounds fun. It sounds exciting. And uh, I can verify that indeed it was. Oh, it came out in 1998. Uh, okay, so uh, just to get it out of the way, rating-wise, 5 out of 5. Yeah, loved. Uh, I love returning to this world. Uh, I love fantasy novels in general, but ones that take place in the Forgotten Realms, maybe it's the interconnectedness of everything. Maybe it's the fact that playing D&D and running a campaign that also takes place in this world sort of pulls me in even further. I don't know what it is necessarily, but uh, really, really love and fly through these books, which uh, is always sort of my number one. I don't know if it's my number one, but it's definitely one of the top ten, or even top five, or even top three. Uh, examples of when I love a book, how quickly I fly through it, and I, I flew through this one. Not that it was long by any uh, 315 pages I'm reading here. Uh, so, so the main dude is a ranger, uh, which is has to do with the fascination as well, that it's like literally like picking D&D characters, uh, 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 classes, that you can sort of see which moves they have. Uh, a ranger by the name of, I can't remember, uh, it doesn't matter, it's a fantasy name, quite often I just gloss over them because they're hard to read and pronounce. So n normally if it's a name like Cormanthir, I would say convert that to Corm, good old Cormy. Uh, so he's sort of traveling around, uh, he's got uh, a psychic bat, uh, animal companion with him, who's like, uh, hundreds of years old, uh, he's, uh, sort of on the trail of finding this library, uh, the twists and turns along the way, he's, he's, he's a badass, definitely, um, one sort of cool thing is sort of in the final moments, and, and let me just, as you heard, we're out of time, so I want to wrap up. Uh, the final moments of this book is a battle in a library, a, a magical library, uh, in which we got like a ranger, we got the psychic bat, we got sort of a paladin cleric type who's helping him. Uh, we've got uh, a fighter type girl who's helping him. Um, they're battling uh, an army of hobgoblins. Uh, a bunch of drow, including a really powerful drow uh, wizard girl, and the last but most, because it's always a fucking scary shit when you're dealing with a lich. Yes, a lich. I freaking love liches. You know what? I'd love, and uh, I don't know if this exists out there. I should make a mental note. Uh, a book uh, taking place in the Forgotten Realms, sure, not a must, but I think would be cool. Uh, from the point of view of a lich, uh, where the lich is sort of a main character. Now, liches, 99% of the time, are evil. Uh, so uh, you don't see that as much in books, where it's from the evil protagonist's point of view. But, uh, and, and like in this case, actually, quite often they don't know they're evil. Uh, like, this lich thought it was uh, protecting these books. That was sort of its driving force. Or, like... Uh, another cool idea would be a book from the point of view of a, a wizard becoming a lich, but uh, I wouldn't want it to be evil. Like, I, I think there there's ways around that, maybe? 
So that was sort of iffy, and I see that on the D and D Fifth Edition Facebook page, uh, people talking about liches and do they have to be evil? And there's a lot of argument about that. Uh, I'm sure there's ways around it, and the, sort of finding the fascinating ways of making a lich good would be interesting in a, in of itself. Man, I must be excited because I can't talk. Thing. Oh shit! Did I fuck my timer up? I may have fucked my timer up. Let's see. I did not. Yay! Game Gavin. Today's game Gavin sponsor is Rubbish Burglar Alarm Company Limited Incorporated. Thank you for that sponsorship. We are talking South Park colon the fractured butthole. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, way back when the first South Park game came out, uh, I have no doubt it was uh, after I started this podcast, so I have no doubt that I spoke of it on this, and if I do recall, gave it probably a 4 to 5. Looking back, that was my remembrance of it. Uh, very much liking it, perhaps even a 5 out of 5. Very, very much liked it. Um... This is probably not treading new grounds as well, if you've seen any reviews of this game, that uh, it just does not quite live up to that first game. Uh, And it's not even that I've sort of realized necessarily. It's not that it's not as good, maybe. Uh, It's just that it's almost exactly the same and you're doing the exact same things. And I was just sort of expecting some more uh, different stuff. (laughs) Uh, it's basically like they took and and there's no reason they shouldn't like almost all games do this games within series uh they took the the old game uh and took out all just the content and left the bones and then switched in new content uh and yeah like that's what games do Uh, games in series that's quite often what they do there's there's bits here and there of innovation sure uh and there's definitely some laughs along the way uh the writing's great um you know and i liked it and i had fun but uh the last one i played through the whole way uh having fun the whole time this one reached a point where it felt like i was grinding a little bit and just sort of seeing things i'd seen a million times and seen in the old game uh, and, and then there's the, the, the thing of the old game was more of a D&D setting, whereas this is like superheroes, uh, as you heard in our previous segment. Uh, my love of uh, D&D stuff, uh, very, very high. And not that I don't like superhero stuff, but uh, we are fairly inundated with that, obviously, so my love is not as high. Uh, so perhaps that is something to do with it as well. Maybe if they did like a sci-fi one, like I... Like well, this is kind of sci-fi. This is more sci-fi than the other one, anyways. Uh, maybe that would have changed my mind. But uh, rating-wise, jeez. Uh, okay, so if you're unfamiliar with my rating scale, three is enjoyed while watching, playing in this case, but wouldn't play again. And I would probably go near three. 
because I did have fun while playing. Uh, I don't think I will pick it up again. Um, but then there's that fact that I didn't play it all the way through. So uh, almost three is the rating. Almost three out of five. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's talk about the story a little bit since we still got some time. Um, Cartman has sort of made the switch from fantasy to some sort of raccoon-based uh, superhero. It's a, a turn-based game where you pick a character and uh, fight things by uh, it's their turn to do something and then it's your turn to do something and then it's their turn. Uh, a lot of the powers and things you do are fun but then again there's only ever four things you can do at a time. Uh, like you'll have a character, uh, uh, or sorry, a team of like three people and each of the three people will have three, four things to choose from to do. Um, but there's so many, so many sort of permutations of that. Uh, that being said, the bad guys, I feel like in the other one too, like the bad guys had a little more variety than they did in this. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, like I, I felt like the, every time I had a battle, it was like the same thing over and over again. There is potential, I wonder, if you were to take this game and then just sort of have a button to randomly determine uh, if you won the battle or not, uh, and then your loot was determined on that sort of roll, let's call it, you could skip that part of it. Uh, I don't know if that would work or not, but I would be curious if I would have kept playing if that was the case. Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Fitch Family Rabbit's Feet. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, so this is actually, a, as I mentioned in the top of the show, a double game Gabin, because I had two games. Uh, once I finished South Park, I uh, obviously, apparently, wanted to cleanse my palate and played a game that was about as far from that as you could possibly get and that yeah I, I wonder if you could pick two games that were more different than these two games so we got south park the fractured butthole and then what remains of edith finch finch yeah finch uh so it's <laughs> yeah uh, let's see okay so uh i'm gonna read some of the wiki just to give you an idea of what this what this is uh so uh what remains of edith fitch follows the titular <laughs> character young woman revisiting her old family home as she recalls or discovers the stories of deceased family members um so yeah that's the the, the underlying gameplay yeah we got to put that in sort of question marks uh is it a game I don't know, and I don't care. Yeah, period. It's like going home in many regards that uh, uh, you're sort of walking around, you're clicking on things, you're you're experiencing the world, but uh, are you playing a game? Is it more a interactive movie than it is a game, perhaps? Is there anything wrong with that? No, no, very much not at all. In fact, uh, well, look at the rating that I'm about to give this. 5 out of 5, compared to what I gave uh, South Park, which uh, obviously very much game-like. Uh, is this twice as good as South Park and Fractured Battle? Yes. Yes, I would say it is. Um, so normally, 
I play a video game while watching a movie or TV or YouTube, as I did with South Park. But uh, sometimes, specifically with games like this, uh, I forget which other ones I do it, I've done it with, but, I, but I've definitely done it from time to time. Uh, I'll just sit and play the game and let it sort of wash over you. Uh, you kind of have to do it for quote-unquote games like this, where the narrative is so strong. Uh, and and I have to is perhaps a, not the right word, uh, want to. Uh, just so it sort of pulls you in more. And uh, pulls you in, it did. Uh, it's sort of a fascinating house where uh, it seemingly like organically grows almost uh, as people move into it and live their lives in it and then pass away in it. Because for some reason, this family, this Finch family... Uh, it's almost like every time someone dies, they will seal off their rooms. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a memoriam to that person. Uh, so your house is getting bigger and yet getting smaller at the same time because you'll need to add additions on. It seems to like grow up. Uh, as you, those sort of actually one of the cool things. Uh, at the start of the game, you see the house sort of in the distance and you see like a. It's like really, really tall and sort of rickety at the top looking. And I knew, or at least I thought I knew, I made the prediction. Which, uh, you know what, you could see me play this on Twitch, uh, LibroCube, uh, and, and see me make that prediction, so you know I'm not lying, uh, that uh, the, the game will end uh, at the top of this house. And uh, it, it did, because that sort of makes sense. You're in a giant house exploring it. Uh, the end of the exploration is going to be at the top of the house, right? Logic. Logic. In all things, including this. Uh, so it's like a, an emotional journey of this uh, young pregnant woman. That was another prediction I remember making, like looking down and saying, hey, do I have a bit of a belly there? <laughs> Uh, and then you sort of learn along the way that, yes, you are pregnant. And that's sort of your impetus, I guess, for coming to the house is you want to find the story of your family in order to tell it to one day your unborn child, that sort of idea. Uh, a lot of emotion. Uh, there's some funny parts, a lot of sad parts, uh, obviously with all the deaths. Um a lot of interesting gameplay mechanics, actually. Uh, so, I guess there are some games. As you're sort of traversing this house, you're finding, like, hidden passages. Uh, it's very light on the puzzle solving, but there is a bit of it. Um, it's only a couple of hours, too, uh, which I was a little surprised about. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was longer, but uh, not a knock against it. It was just something I was expecting. Uh, highly recommend... What remains of Edith Fitch, folks? That's it for now. It's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. Oh, it's back. What? This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things, and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory.
I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.